Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Remember us? This is the Emerging on Golf Podcast. I'm Mike here with McLean and Jay, and we're back after a week off. Thanks for uh, the delay and, and bearing with us. I was out of town with some family, and so we didn't do a show last week. We're now recording this on Tuesday due to my work schedule yesterday. So I apologize for our delay in getting you guys another episode. It's been a couple of weeks, but we're here and we're uh, we're ready to go. How are you, gents? Good. Ready to roll, man. Ready to roll. It's been uh, two weeks, so we should be charged up for some golf talk. Yeah, let's go. Charged. Ready. ready charged. To so charged. What's what's everyone drinking? I think this is going to be a really boring segment. I'm not drinking anything. That's what I heard. Yeah. Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm on this no drinking Monday through Thursday for what? the month of May. It's a what? podcast night. <laughs> I, know, I know it's just it is what it is i am uh i am doing it i'm trying to get my fat ass in shape here um we're going to uh we're going to uh longboat key off the gulf coast down in uh florida at the end of the month and i was like i told aaron i would at least work out uh until then and i wouldn't drink during the week so i was like I'm, it's our 40th birthday so we're gonna Go down there, hang out, and we'll just try to not look like a whale. <laughs> Fair, it, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, I've actually embarked on a new uh, a new endeavor physically myself, and you know, I was talking to Tori, and she goes, "You could lose so much weight if you just kind of quit drinking beer, slow down on the beer." <laughs> I was like, "You know what? I tell you what, I will eat better and start working out. You got it." No problem. <laughs> not so stop drinking I'm running, I'm running like two and a half, three miles a day. I had my longest pure run today. I ran two straight miles without stopping. Uh, and I hit the kettlebell pretty hard when I get back, I've been trying to get it down and I'm, I've gotten down about 15 pounds, but I've, I've put on a little bit of muscle at the same time, regardless, the non-drinking part was never a part of this. <laughs> like, it's a I have been eating cardboard <laughs> and grilled everything there's no breading no flavor i've i've had i'm having meals delivered i'm on a i'm on a like pure diet until five o'clock rolls, rolls around and then, and then you're back to corona light you know it's like you say like, all right you could stop drinking or you could really start working out and you know eating better you got sounds it sounds good no you got problem. it the, the no drinking it. was a, just a non-starter for you that's not fun. <laughs> it's not. I, it's I had a conversation with a guy the other day. Hey, if someone tells you, Hey, you want to go do something? It's going to be a lot of fun. You can't drink, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Are you still in? Are you fun. going? No, I'm, I'm serious. Are you going? I mean, it depends what it is, but yeah, I mean, you, but really, see, that's maybe the thing. I'm not it as does. dependent on it as you are, but that's the story. I'm not dependent. Day. I'm not dependent, <laughs> but it's like, look, if we're going to, if we're going to make an effort, I got kids and shit. I got to pack bags and do everything. If I'm going to put in all that fucking effort, by the time I get there and we finally get to sit down, I'm, I'm going to have, I want a beer or a cocktail. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> just give me something to take the fucking edge off for the 19 bags. I just lugged in from the car so that these kids can have toys and towels and fucking change of pants. <laughs> very true man so what are you drinking tonight with that yeah, being said I, i'm on i'm on corona light okay 
<laughs> I did start on grape, so I got a slight spice, but I'm I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm enjoying a little uh Knob Creek nine. Oh, nice. Um, I had it as a gift and I got into a fight trying to get it open like a month ago. Nice. And I gave up and tonight I I persevered and I got it open. You, you won. I won. You won. Yep. <laughs> Why couldn't you get it open? I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, it was oh Knob Creek has the wax. The well, wax. I got the wax off, and then I couldn't get the damn um, stopper out, and I had to like pry it with a knife. <laughs> it was absurd. And then I was worried about like knocking the bottle over. I could just see myself smashing it in the kitchen, and <laughs> but we're good. We're good. You, you got it out. Got it out. I had a bottle of wine that had a wax top recently, and I'm like trying to hit it with the carver with you know on the on the wine opener really try to carve that out before i hit it to the point i got so frustrated that i looked it up and there was a video of the guy just hitting it with a wine opener and popping it right off and i'm like get the fuck out of here and i tried it bam popped it right off wow i was so frustrated for the prior 20 minutes of my life that i had spent (laughs) i almost lost a finger i lost part of a fingernail (laughs) The wax tops, man, they're aggressive. If it's not maker's mark, I get a little bit, uh, you know. Yeah, this was yeah, an aggressive wax yeah. top, and then it just like, just I don't know what the wax did to the stopper, but man, it was hard. It was anyway. secure. You know that juice was good in there. It is fresh. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's get into a little golf. Um, man, we've had some exciting last couple of weeks in golf. The Zurich two man. Most recently, <laughs> the Zurich hit and giggle, as we'll refer to it from now on. And then most recently, a new event, uh, the Mexico Open at Vedada, Vedada, whatever the hell that is, from Grupo Salinas. If you watched any of the golf, you saw that commercial about 85 times. Yeah, um, was, Grupo Salinas was well-funded. Yeah, I think I think what that was, I think almost this whole tournament is because the, they took out the WGC away from Mexico. That's I think they had some right. sort of written agreement with Grupo Salinas and they had to do something. Well, and, and I'll say this. I'm glad they did. I think the game of golf in Mexico is is really starting to prosper in certain. In certain avenues, um, yeah. it's still probably considered an elitist sport in the country. But at the same time, we a lot of us have friends, and I know Jay and I do anyways, that have friends that have made it. Um, you know, Roberto Diaz, Yoshio Yamamoto, um, some guys that we know that grew up down there and that are great players. Uh, we know, and and a lot of the their acquaintance friend Abraham Answer, um, a, a ton of guys, the Ortiz brothers, and are, we're starting yeah. to see uh, the Ortiz brothers. Absolutely, we're starting to see a great contingent come out of that country, and I'm glad to see them go down there and get some notoriety and and pump a little bit of money into their golfing um, industry. So I, I'm excited to see where it, where it goes from there, and hopefully we see some more good players coming out of that country, uh, as we've seen thus far. We can we can get into the golf in a second, and Ron in particular. I was hoping they were going to go back to Chapultepec which was where they had that WGC event in Mexico city it was at elevation. It's kind of a really odd quirky course, but it was seemed to be fun to watch every year. They seem to have really good crowds from what I saw. I mean, this was a resort course. It didn't look all that bad, but it's a resort course. There wasn't yeah. a ton of fans there. It didn't seem like it had much juice down there where the, 
the WGC, it seemed like there was some juice in Mexico City with yeah. the locals. So I don't know if it was just because it's, you know, it's in, um, where was this? It was on West, it's in the West Coast, right? Puerto Vallarta, I believe. Or, yeah, I, I, I believe so, but you, know, you are correct. But Mexico City's population is so, uh, is so dense. It, it doesn't surprise me that they're able to garner some pretty incredible crowds. Yeah. I don't think where they are or where they were, they were able to necessarily, um, generate that kind of population for the event. But at the same time, um, it, it's cool to see a game growing and prospering in different a- areas, especially ones that mes- necessarily don't get all the notoriety um, uh, other weeks of the year. You know, this is probably their, this is technically their major. And it sucks that they lost their WGC, which I'm sure was their major uh, previously, or at least that's how they consider it. So it was nice to see us go back there or see the PJ tour go back there and, you know, give them, give them a little boost and uh, stimulation to that industry. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you guys make of Rom? He gets uh, back in the winner circle. First time winning since uh, the U S open last June. So we're getting close to almost a full year since his last win has had a lot of high finishes in that year. Maybe the last month or two, maybe was his worst golf. You know, he had that runner-up to Cam Smith and a bunch of really, you know, top 15, top 20s. And he gets it done in in a pretty weak field. And I want to ask you guys this. As one of the top players in the world in a weak field, because the expectations are higher, do you think it was harder for him? And I'm stealing this question from, I forget where it was, Golf Digest. Um, I saw them pose this. Do you think it was more challenging with all the expectations to close out that event wire to wire against a weak field than if he's in a stronger field and he's going up against uh Cantlay or, you know, Scheffler or Spieth or whoever. Yeah, I don't, it's, you're right. It's two, two ways to look at it. I think sometimes you play in some of these lower tier events and, you, it gives you a boost of confidence, you know, thinking like, you know what, I, I know that I'm better than these guys. And then you just go out and let yourself play. I don't know. I, when you haven't been closing the deal in the past, it's almost like, you know what, I haven't been getting it done. So the expectation to him is probably like, it doesn't matter anyway, because all they're going to say is that I, I can't get it done anyway. So what difference does it make? I know I'm better than these guys. And at least, he's obviously, you know, top ranked player in the world. One of the top ranked was he number, is he two in the world right now? Number two. So, you know, he, he, in his brain, he's probably thinking, Hey, I'm, I'm better than all these guys. So if I don't get it done, I'm sure as hell going to be close. You know, I'm going to be at the top of the leaderboard. Maybe this is the, the way to get, get the momentum going uh, and get some confidence. So I remember, um, you know, playing in, this is obviously not the same situation, but playing in a full field Hooters tour event, which was the back then it was, the, the third biggest tour in the U S um, and it's, these guys were good. I mean, McLean, you, you played in, in some of those and I mean, you're talking, I mean, well, there was, you know, 10, 10 PGA tour players that were playing in that event and not at the time, but yeah. they ended up, you know, making it, making their way out there. So you're playing against good competition. Well, and there were um, guys that were also there that had a bunch of starts previously that had fallen off. Yeah. Fallen off and come, had come back. You're right. So you, had, you know, you're playing, you you're, both, you're the best of both worlds. You had the guys that were getting ready to make it and the guys that were just coming off trying to get back there. Yeah. Yeah, no, you exactly. So it was, it, you knew that you're playing against good competition and 
you'd go finish 20th and you're like, Hey man, I had a good week, but that doesn't really pay, pay very well. And then I remember dropping down to some of the smaller events, like the Carolina series events that they used to have, which is like a satellite tour of the Hooters tour. And you may get 20 or 30 guys playing in it. Um, but you're like, Hey, I, I know that I can, I can win this event regardless of who's playing. There's it's a smaller field and nothing against the guys that were playing in it. But a lot of these guys would play on that Carolina series event because they were just trying to get their feet wet as a pro. Like they're just getting, and they're like, Hey, let me play in some of these smaller events to just get my feet wet, learn how to play as a I professional. Did. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm the same way. And it was like, okay, yeah. look, I've already played on some of these bigger tour events, you know, nationwide events. I know I can beat these guys, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to do it every time, but it gives you that sense of confidence. So you go into that event thing and like, Hey, I should be the favorite here. And then you, it, you kind of psych yourself up, you know, and, and you play up to your standard in your, in your head. Whereas well, I, I didn't probably feel... look at it the other way, you know, in the PGA tour events, he's like, I'm, I'm not getting it done. The, the, the greatest players in the world are playing right now. And, you know, and his confidence is just kind of low when he plays against the, those top guys. And maybe this is the way to boost him up. Well, on a, a, on a very, very different scale and a totally smaller circumstance, you know, I didn't feel comfortable on the rain until after I'd really, I'd gotten a win on that Carolina series. And all of a sudden one, it was a confidence boost, but when I walked down the range, it went from, you know, walking over by yourself to go hit balls to all of a sudden you're walking down the range and you just, Hey, Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? Oh yeah. What's up, man? All of a sudden, um, it, 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 it gave you the opportunity to kind of gain that confidence. And I think for Rom in a di- little bit different scenario, it gives him the opportunity to kind of regain that confidence. You know, when sure. he gets back out on the range next week, this week, he'll be the last, uh, the most recent winner on the PGA tour. That is yep. always a good spot to be in. That's never mm-hmm. not a good place to be. So mm-hmm. I-, I think this was a little bit of a opportunity for him to boost his confidence. He obviously went out there and executed and I think going out there and winning when you're expecting to win, expected to win, is probably one of the harder things in golf to actually accomplish. Maybe even in any sport that may not even just be you know necessarily monopolized to golf, but at the same time, when you're expected and you are the top ranked player out there, you have that expectation that you're supposed to go win. Mind you, yeah. I think he had it. He had it pretty much done until I think late and late on Sunday started to be it started to jeopardize slightly but he still got it done. There's a lot to be said about that. A lot of credit to give. I don't like him, but (laughs) you know, kudos. Why why don't you like him? Just as kind of, I've already talked about it before. I I, I started off as a huge John Romp fan. The one thing I am a big fan of is his golf swing and his move. It's so natural. It's so him. He's doing his thing. I think it's something that sticks around for a long time. I don't think we're going to, we're going to lose him anytime soon. His game is as, um, I hesitate to say natural again, but it's very much kind of a thoroughbred type of situation where he's just going to reproduce. He's a big guy, generates lots of power, generates a very, very consistent ball flight. Uh, if he doesn't get the yips with that 37 inch standard length putter, um, I think he's one of those guys that's going to be out there and he's going to defend for a long time or he's going to play for a long time. He's going to contend for a long time. Uh, at the same time, he's kind of a whiny little bitch. <laughs> so I, I, I you know, look forward to what. Is that a I, Spanish I, thing? No, I mean, it's not I'm at all. Being honest, not at all. But I mean, Sergio is that way. Uh, but I, then, I like Sergio. Love Sergio. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, they got similar. They kind of, kind of, they talk and speak their mind. They kind of say, you know, they, they and Sergio has been accused of being kind of a whiny, you know, too. So I, I like Sergio too. So I'm, I'm the only reason I say that is like, I didn't know if that's like, is that just a, is that a cultural, cultural thing that's in, in maybe the, maybe a language barrier where no. for them it comes across this way and it doesn't come across the same in, uh, in speaking the English language. I don't know. I'm just, I think, I think part of it could, could be there. They show a lot of emotion, right? They're outward with their emotion. And yeah. so if he's frustrated or annoyed at something, you can, you can, they wear their heart on their sleeve. You can, yeah. I think all you could say that about all Spaniards, at least from a, the, you know, the ones I pay attention to in the golf world they all wear their heart on the sleeve. And so I think that may be where the whiny little yeah. bitch thing comes is he hits a bad shot and he, he just has to vocalize it and say it. And then, you know, that's his thing. And that's, you know, some guys internalize that he vocalizes it and shows it in his body language. And but, I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I'm okay with you vocalizing. I mean, hell, I'm certainly guilty of doing the same. Um, you know, uh, Talking about that, you know, when he was complaining about uh, Tiger not get, giving him any information, you know, when, he, uh, when Justin Thomas would ask him one question and Tiger would give him a, you know, a dissertation on, you know, the greens and the course. And he asked, you know, Rom would ask Tiger a question and you get a one word answer. Um, and then he, then he obviously pointed out, what are the chances that Tiger gives this guy any any tips anytime soon? I mean, None. nothing. Zero. <laughs> you will get. Zero. You will get nothing now. For you might not even get a one-word answer. You may not get a one-word answer. I mean, Tiger won't even say anything to you now. He's like, "You're done. You're done to me." Fucking toast. <laughs> yeah, dead to me. This is. I mean, his but, stats this season are really interesting. Strokes gained off the tee. Number one. Hmm. Strokes gained approach the green. 13th around the green 153rd putting 114th wow he, yet he's striker yet a, he's question. still strokes gain total second the ball strikes yeah. the shit out of it man yeah he does i mean i thought he was a better better pitcher of the ball than that but 153rd man he is just not getting the ball up and down this year. Yeah. Well, his, he said 153rd in and around the green, 114th in putting. Gosh. Yet he's second in strokes gained total. That means he's that good. <laughs> that good tee to green. Yeah. Or at well, least yeah he's, he's first. A, he's first tee to green. Yeah. He's a 180-plus ball speed guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to be popping out there, you know, 335, 340 on the reg. He hits a lot of wedges into the greens. You only have to putt okay if you have a lot of fucking 15 footers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's first in greens and reg. Yeah, exactly. On tour. He's seventh in driving distance. What's What's the greens and 70 what? Uh, 73.83. That's almost almost 74%. I mean, that's a solid stat. I I would. Guarantee his putting this last week was inside of the top forty overall. Yeah, he was. Uh, I was just looking at it. Let me pull it back up his stats uh, for because we week. all know we all know when you get a guy that ball strikes the way he does, 
and and he makes some putts. Put, you're going to win. Puts, even but Jay, we're talking top forty. We're talking yeah. had a, had a pretty a, a slightly above average putting week. Not a good putting week, just slightly above average. He converted a little bit. Off, what was it, Mike? So he was 18th in putting. Actually, his worst That's even better than I thought. His worst stat this week was approach the green. He was 30th. And and 30th is a great, a great uh, I guess if you had to call a bottom point. Yeah, I mean he was second off the tee this incredible. week. 30th uh, approach the green, 22nd around the green, 18th putting. All that adds up to a win. I don't a care win. how you look at it. Yeah. A wire to wire victory. Uh, was it wire to wire? I guess it was. You're right. He, yeah, I think mean, he at least he at least held a share of the lead. He wasn't solo leader the whole time, but yeah, correct. That's still that's still cl- is classified as wire to wire, right? Or do you have to have the outright lead? You don't have to have. That I, I mean, I would classify. It was, he was in, it said it said one next to his name every day, right? Might have said T one, yeah. but it, yeah, that's validated. That's still, I think that's, that's solidified. That's solidified. That's solidified. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we all immediately <laughs> corrected your proper. Uh, I know, I know. And the fucked up part is, I was going for validified and came up with the right term. Came with the actual wrong. real word. That that's why I went wrong the first time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think this puts him now back in the mix. I think he was kind of forgotten about, you know, the last couple of months because he wasn't winning and had a small dip. If I can pull up his, you know, actual finishes, but I think this puts him back in the mix with the PGA in a couple of weeks. So then the U S open a month after that, you know, I think he's going to be back. Obviously the number two player in the world, but I think getting a win, right. If, if he was goes into these majors without having wins since last U S open, then you're starting to question things, but okay, now he's going to win. He feels good about himself. He's peaking at the right time. As they say, and uh, yeah, I mean, he had start of the, the calendar year. He had second, 14th, third, 10th, 21st, 17th. Then he dipped down with a 55th at the players, uh, 27th at the Masters, which is his worst finish ever at the Masters, I believe. I think he had every, every finish of his was top 10. So, and then now here, I, I don't... Um, my guess is we probably won't see him again till the players or the, the yeah. players, the PGA, excuse me. Yeah. As I'm no, reading the play. I, yeah. um, I know he's not in the field this week. Especially so. since he played this week, which is what most of the guys took off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's not in the field this week at Wells Fargo. So um, yeah. Any more on Rom? What do you make I of, mean, we had a uh, Tony Finau sighting. Yeah, he hasn't been playing that great this year. So he has not. He's had a, a bad, bad year, but he uh shot 63, 66, 63 in the weekend. Backdoor T5. Top 10. Yep, T5. Beautiful. He's a T2. Backdoor T2 for Mr. Finau's back to his ways. Tony Finau <laughs> is a longer Charles Howell the third. Yeah. Without yeah. question. Yeah. This is his only top ten this year, by the way, though. All right, so let's let's move on. I'm not sure what the uh, last 30 seconds will sound like for the listeners when I edit it, since my computer just decided to go into a Windows update reboot in the middle of our pod tonight. But we'll see if I can clip that okay and make it sound somewhat normal. But let's get into some of the other kind of ancillary 
news items. First off, Tiger making news again was in Tulsa. Got a practice round in at Southern Hills before he went to his Tiger Jam out in Vegas. Um, looks good. I had all kinds of coverage. There was a chopper falling him for six holes. And he had some of those real fast. Some of those greens didn't look great. One of them that they showed, I was watching a clip, looked like it was just all sodded. I guess they just look bad from the air, but they're rolling true and pure and they might just look a little funny. Um, but he had uh, the Southern Hills director of golf, Kerry uh, Cosby, a very well-respected professional in the industry, caddying for him on the bag. And yeah, I mean, he looked good. We're going to get into uh, the Reed Camp's thoughts on this here in a second. But w- do you guys see any of it? It seems like a, a hillier course than I remember uh, walking up and down with some of the clips I saw. But yeah, he seemed seemed pretty good. Yeah, I mean, but to answer your question about, you know, that golf course, it, it's definitely, it's more hilly than you would think. Tulsa has got some rolling hills. It's not Augusta, but um, I feel like he, if he could make it through Augusta, he's going to be okay making it through, you know, Southern Hills. And then obviously we know he's got. Um, it's going to get flatter from here. It's going to get flatter from here on out. So, which is, which is a good thing. And, and he's going to finish up with his primo um golf course for for his situation at St Andrews like the easiest flattest walk on the planet i mean firm firm ground which is making it probably even easier for him to walk on like i mean he's probably going to win he's probably going <laughs> to win i mean he's he, you no. got to say he's definitely playing the PGA now right i would think so yeah it certainly looks that way i mean if the guys flying up he's taking the time to go out there play some practice rounds um Obviously, he had a little bit of insider knowledge on a course that I don't necessarily think that he needed it. But it has been same- redone, though. They they did a pretty big renovation with Gil Hans a few years ago in, in preparation for this. So it's definitely a obviously some some changes from when he won there. And was that 07, I think? 06 or 07. Yeah, it was early 2000s. Yeah. But uh, regardless, I, I, I know we're going to get into it, and I'm trying not to go too far into it but at the same time the guy got out there with the dog can't get mad at him all right let's get into it let's go let's go come <laughs> on like I'm, I'm trying to hold back no you're good let's, let's just, so let's go ahead and go so the reed family burner account on twitter was added again so patrick reed if you haven't heard us talk about it there's a pretty well known it's almost not even hidden at this point as a twitter account called at use golf facts with facts in capital letters. <laughs> and somebody figured out over the last couple of years that they're pretty sure it's someone in the Reed camp. Everyone seems to assume it's uh, Patrick Reed's wife, Justine, that runs this because most of the time it's pro Patrick. It bashes people that bash Patrick Reed. And then there was also one occasion where they sent out the same exact tweet that Patrick Reed sent out. Just accidentally didn't know which account they were on when they posted it. And so the, the use golf facts quotes, I wonder what it's like to have the director of golf at Southern Hills, give you all the course notes, all in capital letters. 
you need for the upcoming PGA championship. Do all players get this treatment at PGA question mark for tiger Woods, This is just embarrassing that at PGA posted this photo and it's very telling like <laughs> shut the so fuck up. What, what like, the fuck the is fuck telling up. about it? I would bet money that almost any of the competitors could reach out to that pro come in for an early practice round and he'd love to be a part of it. He might not loop the bag the whole time, but he'd ride the course with him. He'd give him the notes, especially being that he's a PGA professional. And regardless of whether it's one of the top tour pros or one of the PGA professionals in the field, I feel like he would not only almost feel obligated, but feel like he wants to provide that knowledge and give a benefit to anyone that engages with him, especially may, might it be one of his PGA professionals. Uh, one of his guys that are out there that's a, com- a, a, a uh, what's the best way to say it, Mike? Um, An ambassador. Another ambassador for the game. Someone that shares the same, uh, they both wear the same badge for our sport. Um, I feel like the pro would love to do that. Not everyone might have the luxury of being able to set aside time and go do that, but it's not to say that they couldn't. And I would bet that if you ask that pro, if he had the time, he would make himself available. Now, is there is there an argument to say, oh, well, he would certainly make himself more available for Tiger Woods? Sure. It's yeah. fucking Tiger Woods. Get over yeah, it. And that's why wouldn't he? Like if Tiger exactly. Woods, hey, I'm going to go cool play. experience it is for him, not just yeah, fucking yeah. Tiger and his son. Yeah. So Tiger played with his longtime assistant. I don't even know what his title is. He's worked for Tiger for years. Rob McNamara. You see him. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about because you see every time you see Tiger Woods, you see this guy in, in practice rounds, on the driving range, on the putting green. Rob McNamara is there, bald guy, and I was obviously wearing Nike gear. So him and Tiger played. So Kerry Cosby carried for Tiger. Kerry's son caddied for Rob McNamara. So we get to spend the day with his son caddying for Tiger Woods. Like he, yeah. they're going to talk about this father son duo. Going to talk about this forever. Forever, like why? Why? Why How should you blame feel bad about that? And why should Tiger feel bad? Which Tiger doesn't? Nobody, nobody feels no. bad about it except Patrick Reed in his camp, uh, apparently. But like, why would why would they not? You know, do that? Of course. You know, he. I'm sure Tiger's like, hey, we just want to play, and he's like, hey, we'll caddy for you. Sure, but fine. Come on. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. That's such a. That's one of the dumbest. Such a weird thing I've to get seen. mad about. Yeah. It's just yeah. You know. Yeah, that's like, you know, Patrick, like you need to stop whoever's doing this because you already have a bad rap. You don't you're never going to get the benefit of the doubt. And then this just add fuels to the fire and just kind of validifies what everyone thinks about you. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I just thought that was funny. That made its made its way around. And I now follow use golf facts on uh, on Twitter. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't even know what. If the, what the word is, validify is not a word, right? It's not a word. Okay. Well, like, I, we use it. We use it so much. I'm like, it, it really isn't a word, is it? Am I, am I hearing this wrong? Try to convince yourself into that it actually I'm is like, a word. Oh uh, yeah, I'm like, wait a second. Is I'm gonna, I'm sure I'm gonna use it at some point. Be like, uh, he's <laughs> gonna look at me like I'm an idiot, but that's okay. Um, you're not a subscriber. Well, you just gotta yeah. say it. Just say it with confidence, and people people will start to question themselves. They won't question. <laughs> Remember you. Remember when I said themselves. it? You guys were all like, "Man, it's 
Is that a word? It might be a word. I mean, it sounded like a word. It's it certainly. It I, I feel like he used it like it was a word. Wasn't his first time using it. We need to, we need to double check this shit. Um, so some other some other news. Phil was in the news a little bit. So his agent put out um, a message. So he has filed um, an application to play in the PJ Championship, the U.S. Open, and he has also applied to play in the first Saudi live golf, whatever you want to call it, event that uh, is in June. I think it's opposite of the RBC Canadian Open, maybe on the PGA Tour. It's like first, second week of June in London. You know, his agent says he hasn't he hasn't made up correct. Centurion Club. His agent hasn't didn't say he he hasn't made up his mind yet on on what he's going to play, what his when's he's coming back, what his future is. He just wanted to leave all options open. There were then reports that 15 guys in the top 100 have committed. Still haven't seen a single name yet other than Robert Garrigus that is playing. There are other ancillary reports that you know, Phil has maybe received some money or not received some money and, and those kind of things. So I I think he's going to play on this thing. I'm almost convinced myself that there's nothing, no other option that Phil has in to go play in this thing. Well, I think it's without question that he's going, but the thing that I thought was more interesting is the fact that Greg Norman came out and said that there was a number of players that returned money that they had already taken they had already taken after Phil's comments came out um, to no longer be a part of the league. I thought that was a bigger story here. Yeah, you're right. And I, I left that part out. Um, what was the other, there was another Saudi news I, I wanted to um, say, but now I'm, I'm losing my train of thought, but yeah, you know, he did come out and basically say, Phil essentially torched this whole thing <laughs> or, or what they wanted to make it right out of the gate, at least. It's it's not going to be what you know. Norman yeah, apparently wanted. they've lost a, a, a ton of top talent, um, but I almost find it more intriguing. And for whatever reason, I am extremely excited to see some guys that may not otherwise have an opportunity to go change their lives in a very short order. Uh, so here, here's what I was going to say. It sounds like from the my, uh, reading an article that the PGA tour is going to have to grant these guys the releases to play in these events, at least a certain number of them, because it's not yet a standalone tour because it's just a series. That's a part of the Asian tour. And it's not a standalone tour yet that it sounds like for probably a year or two, because it sounds like Norman said live golf tour is going to actually exist in 2024. And it's just the series is going to grow for a couple of years to get their feet wet until then. So legally, it sounds like they have to almost grant their release to play in these events for the next year or two before there's maybe any kind of legal battles of saying, Hey, if you go play on this tour, you're no longer eligible to play in the PJ tour. So well, it'll be interesting to see what it does to the product of the DP world tour and the PJ tour. Does it actually impact it? You know, I think that's something that we'll also have to follow along and and see where where that relies. I mean, or where that lies. At the end of the day, who's going to offer the best product? Right now, we have to assume the PGA Tour will again retain being the top product. But as of right now, 
they have all the top players. If things progress and monetarily it becomes more beneficial to potentially entertain a, a, a another tour, we have to assume that top talent will eventually follow. Yeah. What, Mike, what's the difference between, um, you know, guys asking for a release to play and, you know, a European tour event? Like that's, that's allowed. So why would it just because it's a tour, is that sort of something? I think it's because they're not, they're not taking membership on the European tour. So the rule goes like in all those guys that played in the, in the Saudi invitational or international, whatever it was called back in February, if the, the way it's written on the PGA tour, if, if there's an, a PGA tour event going on and you are a PGA tour member and you want to go play in another tours event, you have to ask for your release. If there happens to be no PJ tour event being played, which is rare, right? You can just go and play yeah. if there's no PJ tour event. And because you're not, I think it's because you're not gaining membership or accepting membership to play on this. You know, a lot of guys go play in the Scottish open, right? The week before <laughs> the British open, they get over there early, get acclimated to the weather and the, and the time change. And they ask for their release and they go play in the Scottish open. They're not taking up membership of the European tour. So what about like guys like uh, Rory McIlroy when he was playing on both tours, trying to win, he was playing, trying to win the FedEx cup on the PJ tour and then trying to win the race to Dubai on the other, you know, I mean, he was had to be a member of both tours for him to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm yeah, I don't know how, how that, I, I don't know how that's written or how that works from a legality standpoint or what's in the PJ tour handbook. Yeah. On that. Something, something's there that that's not allowing them to, to, to go to this tour, which that's the, that was the part. That and this, and this could like, be, this also could be a new thing because they just now have recently had this strategic alliance. They maybe never had this kind of wording in their yeah. documentation until the last couple of years. And now that the, the European tour and the PGA tour have partnered and have a strategic alliance, maybe they have each changed their wording it, on that. Yeah. I don't you know. Can play on this other, this other tour as a member, but that's it. That's it because yeah. we're affiliated with them or whatever. Yeah. Cause we're a sister yeah. tour of them, you know, but, um, it sounds like the, uh, the live golf people are selling tickets for astronomical amounts. I forget the dollars amount, but I saw that some of their sales numbers were, uh, leaked. It's like $2,000 a ticket to go watch this event. You know, they still don't have a TV deal, although I heard they were trying to buy and maybe even bought golf TV, which I don't think is available in the United States yet because of the TV deals here. So I don't know if they're going to be able to televise it online. And if even we're even to watch it in the United States, we might not be able to is one of the articles that I was reading if they were to put it on golf TV. I, I think they'll, they will find a way. It may be streamed. It'll be picked up by somebody. I mean, hell, ESPN Plus has picked up like 15,000 college baseball games. If we can get that across the nation, we can certainly get um, a, a major golf event. I mean, hell, we saw George Mason versus Towson earlier. <laughs> and you would watch that? You would. Well, I had, I had five on George Mason. <laughs> um, did anybody watch the 30 for 30 on, on Greg Norman? You know what? So I missed it and I tried to download it on my iPad to watch um, last week when I left town and it wasn't available to download yet. 
Um, you need you need to watch it. I mean, I, I honestly, I forgot how good he was, and I, he was he was good. He was really good. And that that one year in '86, you know, we held the lead uh, going into the final round in all four majors was I, that's just crazy, you know. Yeah. And and he really did. He really was snake bit by a lot of unbelievably lucky shots. And I, and I, I hate to say that, but he could have done, he could have done more on his part to win some of these tournaments outright, but given the circumstance, he still got into, you know, playoffs and a couple of these majors, you know, final holes and some of these shots that these guys made, you know, Larry Mize and uh, Tway. Well, hell he was leading. Wasn't he, out. wasn't he leading in 86 and Jack won? He had a chance. There. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, I don't know. It's really, it was, it was hard to watch, honestly, to watch it, you know, cause he, he was one of the most talented guys. I mean, 300 plus weeks at number one, um, you know, the next closest guy I was, or the next person there would be tiger. It, I don't know how many more weeks it was, but before tiger, I mean, it's like, nobody was that nobody. good for that long. Yeah. Um, it really they- was incredible. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a huge Greg Norman fan. I mean, I am a fan of Greg Norman, the golfer, like, uh, this stuff with the, the tour, I, I just don't know what his motivation is. And I still haven't heard enough of, from him and the details. Um, it'd be nice to kind of, to see what the vendetta is against the PGA tour and why he wants to do this. Um, and I haven't really heard it yet from him, but it, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not pretty good. It's really good. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. Um, yeah. I need to watch it. I used to be a huge Huge Norman fan back in the day. I was crushed in 96 when he blew that lead. I hated Faldo yeah. for it. Like, I wanted him to win. And, you know, it was the shark and it was the hat and it was the cool logo. And as a kid, it was like, yeah. oh, this, this guy's awesome. And, um, yeah, I, I've grown to hate him over the years, especially when he kind of stopped playing. He's become a kind of a pompous asshole. You know, yeah. he's, he's always the smartest guy in the room. Him, That's why him and Phil probably get along. They probably have a hard time, though. I'm the, I'm the smartest. No, I'm the smartest in the room. <laughs> You know, those two fucking idiots. Um, and two two different generations, really, though, too. That I mean, yeah. as old as, you know, as Phil is now in his early 50s. But, you know, Greg Norman's 60, late 60s, mid yeah. to late 60s. And he's still super fit. He is. <laughs> he is very fit. He, well, he, he posts a lot of shirtless photos on social media. So he likes to show it <laughs> off, too. Good for him. Did they tell the uh, the, uh, the Peter Costas story from the 96? Yep. Yeah. They talked about that. I love that story. I don't know if we've told that story uh, on here, but I, I heard it in an in interview he did like last year. So the story goes, he was leaving the uh, media compound on Saturday at um, Augusta and Brian Hammonds, who was one of the first uh, anchors and reporters with the Golf Channel, was doing, he was basically like, was there for the golf channel, but was also doing like local TV spots that they would, you know, Hey, we're going to go down to Brian Hammonds now. And, you know, and so Hammonds just kind of pulls Costas and was like, so is he going to do it tomorrow or is it done deal? And, you know, I'm paraphrasing here and don't have all the details, right. But, you know, Costas, Costas was like, yeah, well, you know, I did notice one thing in his grip His grip has, you know, him and Butch were working on getting his grip here and, Every day, it seems to go a little bit and a little bit weaker and weaker, weaker back to where his old grip was. And he just kind of left it there. And like, you know, that could be a problem potentially. And then Hammonds goes on TV and gets interviewed and 
tells them what tells the people what Costas said, and Norman and his camp hear it, and they call CBS just fucking livered. So Frank Chikerny, and if you haven't seen any, he used to be like the Ayatollah of CBS golf. He was a legend for them. Golf TV in general. Yes. And he pulls Casas aside in the morning and like cusses him out because he got cussed out from the Norman camp. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, did you tell everyone on TV last night that he was going to choke this away? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say any of this stuff, but you could tell like it was already in Norman was thinking about it was already in his head. It was in his head. Was if, he, if this was bothering him, he had to call CBS to complain about it. Like, well, and that's exactly what, what Casas said in the, in the interview or in the uh, 30 for 30 he said oh so they had him in the 30 for 30 oh they yeah they had him talking process you know basically said for all the everyone's listening here that if you haven't seen it you know you probably or if you have seen it you know exactly what he says but Costas, you know at the end he said look i I just saw something that said he could be in for a long day he's like that's all i said and then later as he finished the conversation he said um if he's worried about me what i'm saying already and we haven't even started around yet then he really is in for a long day like he's <laughs> gonna have some problems because it's, it's already in his head and and greg yeah. he kind of admitted it you know he just said it uh, just it started to get to me because it just had happened so many times and it was um he was in, it was such a big lead that it was he could see himself starting to lose focus and he was edgy and you know butch Armin on there talking about him uh, that that morning when he's hitting balls, he was just kind of short and quick with everybody, and Butch was trying to calm him down. Like, hey man, you you got a you've got a six or seven shot lead here. You know, you just play your game, just relax and play golf, and and then here you are, you've got Faldo, uh, you know, chiming in. Like, if I can just get to three by the back nine, I've got a chance. Of course, he gets to within three going in the back nine. You know, and and, and Norman didn't play that poorly on the front. It was just it was just a perfect storm. You know, he made a couple bogeys. Faldo played very conservative, very you know sharp and 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 to the point the way he normally does, and he just closed the gap just enough to make it uncomfortable. And then back nine of Augusta, you know, we all know that that story. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, but it, it, to to relive it was you know, it was it was just gut wrenching, you know, because it it you'd seen they go through the whole thing of all the other majors that he had lost with all these crazy shots, and it's just like. Uh, uh, yeah, it's. It was, yeah. It, I do. I do need to see that. Um, it's on my. So my you know, watch it made list. it made me. You know, with all of this stuff going on within the last year with this new, it made me kind of think about him as a as a player. And it's like, you know, was there something that happened? Is this like some type of bitterness that he has? Does he is he feel like this is some of this happened? You know, from the the PGA Tour, the way they handled stuff. Like, did they promote the choking? Is this like I don't know? It's like yeah. it's just a weird thing. Like I don't know why he's so adamant about um, creating this tour and trying to pull pull these guys away. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I would really like to hear his reasoning for this and why he. Thinks well, you know, he tried to he tried to create that world tour back in the day, which ended yeah, up back in '94, and created a ton of animosity between him and the PGA Tour. And I think there's more to it than we probably will ever know about. And there's yeah. certainly some bad blood between Greg Norman and obviously the PGA tour. So I, I, at the end of the day, it looks to me as Greg Norman, who I still believe is a somewhat influential person in the game of golf and certainly someone who could garner some players interest when you, when you uh, attach him to a project that I feel like, 
whatever it is, he doesn't mind sticking it to him. And yeah. he's trying to get it back. And it, I think it is that world tour deal, but I think there's more to it. You know, luckily Greg hasn't needed to play much golf to generate yeah. revenue back in the, uh, over the last 20 years. But at the end of the day, there, there without question is something there. Oh yeah. <clears throat> something. So I don't know if his, his beef was with Dean Beeman or Tim Fincham. So that whole world golf thing started, he Dean tried to Beeman. do it in 1994, which I just looked up was the first year that Tim Fincham started as commissioner. So I would assume it, this goes back to something with Dean Beeman before that, that, that caused him to, or just, he just could be that oh, I, I can do it better than you guys, you know, yeah. mentality too. I don't know, but most well, likely it, there was it, something. It, it It's possibly also that, Hey, they're paying me a shit ton of money to try and put this project together, whether it gets off the ground or not. If you think that Greg Norman's not making it a bare minimum of $50 million to be a part of this, I'd kiss your ass. <laughs> and, and I can, I can tell you one thing. I don't know a lot of people who don't get off their seat for 50 million. It, Greg Norman has a shit ton of money. He's a hundred millionaire. Don't get me wrong. But 50 million is hard not to garner someone's attention. And again, that's a, that is a statistic that I totally made up for this argument <laughs> at the same time. I don't think it's that far off. Um, no, you're probably yeah. right. I, I think, but you know, Greg Norman, it's it, for last I've read, he's worth 400 million. Um, but 50 million is still a lot of money, even to somebody who's got 400 million. That's yeah. That's a big, big chunk of their, their net worth there. Um, but you know, that between money and, and like we've mentioned before, if you put those two together, uh, him, him having some type of animosity or revenge against PJ tour, and then you throw some money on top of it. Sure. I'll do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can make a bunch of money and stick it to the PJ tour at the same time. Done. Let's do it. Yeah. Done. So let's get into a few little uh, quick hitters here. Um, Grayson Murray and Kevin Na almost got into it in the driving range the other day. I can't remember if was this. Uh, I can't remember if this was at Zurich or was this at uh, the Mexico Open. I don't remember. But um, they had they had a Twitter beef. About I think Grayson Murray started it about how long it was taken now to do something, lining up a putt, and I, I might get that some of these details a little wrong. And I'm, he's like, "I'm so sick of this, or so tired of that." And then some. Now I came back with something about missing all these cuts, Grayson Murray missing all these cuts, and they went back and forth a little bit. Like this was like the first time they'd seen each other, because Grayson <laughs> Murray took took a leave. Um, actually, I think he was in rehab for a little mm-hmm. bit, and yeah, was down on the Corn Ferry Tour, and, and hasn't doesn't have full status, and. I guess they finally saw each other on the driving range and Kevin Noss started shouting at him and they got into it a little bit. So my question to you, who wins that fight? Uh, this Grayson is a very is, simple. This is very simple. I was actually an assistant pro at the course. Grayson grew up at in Raleigh Wildwood green. I can remember playing golf and Grayson with Grayson when he was 14, 15, 16, the kid had it for a long time, but he had, he's, he's got a very, very fiery, uh, attitude and mentality. And, you know, he was one of the kids who basically felt like it, it had been given to him. And to a certain extent, it was, you know, he had a lot of trouble in college, moving around to a bunch of different schools, playing a, a ton of top programs. Um, but long story short, he's a great player, but certainly someone that's got some fire under his belt and he's not a small individual. 
no, he's, he's like a pretty six big one, dude. 220, and Kevin Na's like 5'8", 150. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and not even, not even close. If you got it, wouldn't it may not even be close if you give Kevin Nye a golf club. Say, here, you take a golf club and, and try to see what happens here. So, you guys know Grayson Murray caddied for me one time? No, have I told the story? He? No, no, was he a kid or like sounds he was, backwards? But let's hear about it. He <laughs> was in he was in college, he was in between uh, Wake Forest and ASU, yes. So he had just gotten basically essentially kicked off the Wake Forest golf team. Correct. Um, and he was caddying at Old Chatham down in, in Durham, North Carolina. I know it well. And a good I, buddy I of, also caddied there and worked there. A good buddy of mine, Matt Taschenberg, and I went down to play. We were in town for a little Peter Millar event, and we got, went decided to go down a day early. And uh, called the fantastic John Marino at Old Chatham. And, and he said, yeah, come on out. So the two of us just went out, just a two ball. And guy comes over in the driving range, introduces himself. You know, we're just kind of start shooting the shit. And as the round's going on, and we're just kind of talking. And we asked him, "What you know, you in school? He goes, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I was at Wake Forest. I'm getting ready to go to ASU, play on the golf team. And it's like, started talking about how good he was and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> Out, you know, me being the cynic, I was like, fuck this kid. Who the hell is he talking yeah. about? You know, he was 20 uh, years old or something. I don't even know what he was. And so we asked when we came in, we're like, who is that kid? Ain't really any good. They're like, oh, yeah, he's really good. But yeah, it was Grayson Murray who caddied for me uh, at That's Old scary. Chatham. And I think it was 2013. <clears throat> I worked at Old wow. Chatham in 2008, 2007. 2009 um when they were just in a trailer and uh the the very brief synopsis of, or very brief uh, introduction to that facility it's an incredible spot john marina is a great guy you know his wife jill um they kind of run that facility and they've done an incredible job with it what a, what a great great golf club uh they have there oh yeah so here was here was the thing that really got me questioning this is what it was it was 2013. I'm, I'm looking up his his bio right here. This was October of 2013. He talked about playing in the U.S. Open that summer. I was like, "Fuck you!" Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sure enough, he qualified for the U.S. Open in 2013 as an amateur. You know who this reminds me of? Um, and I don't know if I've told this story before, but I played I played with uh, Jason Kokrak, the old bullfrog, and his one of in his first year. Uh, playing professional golf. He was on the, you know, doing mini tours, e-golf tours, what this tour was called at the time. And, uh, I mean, Jason's a big, big, pretty big guy. I mean, he's like, he was like six, four, he was a little bit skinnier then than he is now, but still you know, we're playing. Guy. Yeah. And he's, he keeps talking about how he was all state, all American in football and basketball and, you know, this and that. And, and I, I was just playing with him. You just let people kind of talk and you know, brag about themselves, whatever. And, and he just kept talking about how, you know, he could, he had won this tournament, that tournament. And I was like, you know, who, who are you, dude? I was like, and he wasn't playing that great that day. I don't, I think he may have shot like 70 something in the low seventies. I mean, nothing, nothing that told me this guy was, you know, a star. Um, and I just was like, all right, whatever, dude. Great, man. Good for you. And then sure enough, you know, it didn't take but a couple of years for him to get, you know, 
earn his uh, earn his uh, web.com card and then obviously earn his PJ Tour card. And here he's been out there for you know 10, 12 years now. So there's something too that, you know, I think they call it the Kanye West, you know, syndrome. You just continue to tell yourself how incredibly amazing you are. And then before long, you just, you just believe it. And you just, that's the way you live your life. And I don't know, I'm not that way, but maybe I wish I had a little bit more of that, but you know, it's, it's obviously work. It works for him. I mean, he, he's, I mean, he's an incredible player, you know, made, made, makes millions every year. I blame my wife. She's always telling me how incredibly bad I am at things. So, you know, oh, without question, my down. wife's Hell, sole man. purpose is to knock me off of my pedestal. <laughs> sole purpose. <laughs> She's married bring me down. specifically to dislike me. That's it. Oh, man. And so then one other thing. We'll get into the uh, Wells Fargo here in a second. I thought it was awesome. I don't know if you saw this, but Lydia Ko was in contention this week. Uh, they were out in the West Coast somewhere. I think it was L.A., maybe. And on one of the holes in the back nine, she had to call in her trainer and stretch her out a little bit. You know, and you can take a quick breather, essentially call a timeout on the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour and if you need some medical attention. And so after the round, Jerry Fultz, being the great reporter that he is, asked her, like, hey, is everything okay with your back? You know, is this going to be a lingering issue for you? Are you worried about it moving forward? And she was basically, I'm paraphrasing, she's like, no, it's that time of the month. And when (laughs) when it's that time of the month, I get a little tight back there and twist it up. And I just had to get it worked out. We'll be fine. And and Jerry Jerry was like, "Uh, okay, honestly, speechless he didn't say a word for like 10 seconds um okay (laughs) he didn't know what to say thank god lydia came back in and was like yeah lydia saved gary i know you're speechless but you know it's the truth yeah speaking the honesty for her being open and honest like that's how you get fans right there yeah exactly like why why pretend that it doesn't happen like women are different than us their bars are different they do they deal with way more stuff than we have to deal with um and so yeah just it was just kind of funny yeah. light-hearted honest it was and it was cool i like lydia co i think she's i think she's cool yeah she's, she's i been, mean what a crazy career already for someone who's not even in hit she's not even 25 yet is she 26 she's still i know she she turned pro when she was like what 16 or something yeah it was crazy she's 25 years old just go. just turned 25 years old last week <laughs> uh, financially it's worked out well for her good kudos yeah. But she came out, came out blazing with number one player in the world, then fell off and was nowhere to be found. And then the last couple of years now, she's um, playing really, really well. Well, and her parents have a huge, always up there. Her parents have a huge influence with who she works with. I think I think that's gotten a little bit less intrusive uh, over the last few years. But I do know for a long time, you know, there was a there was a huge parental uh, influence yeah. in everything that she did. Yeah, she was with um, Ledbetter for a while. She's now with Sean Foley. Nah, uh, fuck that. You know, he's he's. An <laughs> I odd. wouldn't go to Foley or Haney. That's that's why our back hurts, not because it's. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's you know exactly what? I, right. Can I honestly be honest with you? It, if Foley didn't work on the golf swing with the players, I think he's great a head guy. I think him and he Butch Harmon. I've I've had a chance to listen to Sean Foley um, speak a couple of times, and the guy is unbelievably intelligent. 
but he's I'm not still, golf intelligent. He he. When I hear him speak, he's talking about Aristotle and all this like philosophical things, like greater than him. Like I actually think he could be a pretty good golf psychologist and work on mm-hmm. a player's head. I'm yeah. not sure he's fantastic working on their golf swing. <clears throat> I'm still surprised that Hank Haney. They still aired his fucking footage after he failed every Hank Haney project. <laughs> I, I'm still surprised. Like after, like it's like okay, we put all this money into it. These guys still suck. They didn't. He didn't teach them shit. But we're still gonna put it on the air. And then the guy still gets like 500 an hour. Are you fist fucking me? This guy is garbage. I wouldn't send my fucking niece to go see him. <laughs> Uh, he's whatever he's got. He's found a way to. He's found a way to capitalize. On he's parlayed. He's parlayed into a financial absolute. He has monetized. Are you, are you shitting me? That still baffles me. The Golf Channel is like, hey, we're going to put one of the top teachers out there with someone, and it's going to be great. He's going to teach him how to play great golf, and all of a sudden they didn't, and he didn't play great golf, and he still sucked. And they're just like, well, let's still air it. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Where are we? I, I actually, I actually like those shows from the standpoint as being a, a PGA professional. That I think it's not that easy to yeah. change a golf swing, whether you're the you're the student or the or the. Oh coach, no shit! It's not that easy, and I think a lot of amateurs just assume, like, oh, yeah. well, I'm just going to take some lessons. I'm going to get better. It's guaranteed. Like, no, guys, it's not guaranteed one bit. I always say you can take lessons from Butch Harmon once a week. And I love Butch to death. I said it on here. I think he's the best. The best. The best. But if you don't practice it or you don't take in the information right or you don't gel with Butch Harmon right, you're not going to get better. Yeah. Right. So it, there's a lot that goes it. into improvement. Yeah. And it, it's just mm-hmm. not, you know, when I when I was teaching at a, a facility before I was at the foundry, we would sell these lesson packages. I was teaching full time and I would tell my students, I said, hey, listen, pal, just because I'm swiping your card here for this large lesson package doesn't mean you're getting any better. Like just because you've paid the money doesn't mean you're getting better, you know? And so I I did the aspect of that Haney show kind of put that out there a little bit, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not a huge Haney fan, more of his personality than anything, but. Yeah. Could you, can you ever imagine taking Tiger Woods when he's like, Hey, let's, let's get you in a laid off position. I think, I I think you're a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it it did perform results are there, but I think part of that is just because holy because he's Tiger an incredible Woods. athlete and it's Tiger Woods. Yeah. But well, at the end of the day, when you look at the Butch Harmon swing, he, he, he still putted unbelievably well when he was working with Haney. Um, and you go back but, and look at his driving. His driving stats, you can go look at him. I mean, they're all there. They dropped off dramatically when he started working with Hank Haney. His iron game was still good because – Tiger's like you can't you can't screw Pretty that up. Flight, you fly it. I'm good at you don't that. Make a full like, swing I don't care what iron. swing, what you do with my grip, and what you do at the top, and what kind of funky finish this weird little finishes. I'm, well, I'm he just fucking dropped my <laughs> microphone. <This is> <laughs> That's how fucked up. That He's getting was. animated over here. He dropped That's his how microphone. Fucked up that finish was. It was that fucking round. I dropped my fucking microphone. This is so it was fucking awful. I mean, it worked he, at Southern Hills when he was there. I'd like to go back and look at his stats, like his driving driving stats. And uh, I look, know I know he chipped and putted great up until you know that they they split and or even he still putted great after that. But <clears throat> putting, but I don't I think, think he's he ever had a putting lesson. Bad. I don't think he's ever had a putting lesson. 
I love I mean, watching I, listening to him talk about the putting stroke too. I do too. It's 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 yeah. I, I don't think he's ever had a putting lesson. The guy just does it naturally, and that's that's what separates him. But he has he has the rare thing that is so hard to replicate under pressure. Yeah, absolutely yeah. executing. Yeah, not only with the putter, which we saw, and and because it capped so many things off. We all go back to it and say that, man, he would just execute with the putter, but he hit the shots. He hit the drives. He did so much, and he didn't just execute with the putter. He executed in so many different facets, but because it was the finisher with the putter. Sorry, I can't stop you. Mike keeps following what you're talking. It's hilarious. It did. It did. It did. But because he finishes with the putter, that's what we all remember. All right. Fuck that. But yeah, that's no, you're right. my mic. My mic did falling. It did keep falling. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to like make a good point. I look at YouTube bags of dicks over there having a chuckle fest. Jesus Christ. Oh man. <laughs> oh. All right. What tournament we have next? We got Wells up? Fargo this week. So <laughs> we're going to TPC Potomac at Avenel Farm. I got my picks in because Quail Hollow was hosting the PGA Championship in September. They didn't want to have two events, so they're moving the Wells Fargo this week to a venue that has kind of played a fill-in over the last handful of years. Um, they've hosted a couple of Tigers events when he had them, the Quicken Loans. I think it was seventeen and eighteen up there. They had the the Booz Allen Classic for a long time. Up there, they've had a couple of corn fairy things, senior they played, players. Uh, they played a tour event there from 2008 to 2000, um, I think, four, or no, 2018, I think. So they, uh, I, I'm looking at it right now. 2017 and 18, they hosted the Quicken Loans because that was yeah. at Congressional, yeah. left for a couple of years, and it went to Aronomic for like a year that bounced around. Um, so they're up there. It's It's been transformed over the years a couple of times. I believe, yeah. but um, yeah, who wants who wants to go first? It normally plays pretty Buddy, tough. If you look at um, all the winning scores for any of the events held there since the renovation, it normally plays pretty hard. It's a tough golf course. I mean, it's, I, it, I'm sure they get the greens pretty firm and fast up there in in outside of DC in in May, early May. I mean, the weather could be even a little you know dicey too. Well, I think um, they're going to crash that golf course. They're going to absolutely crash that golf course going into the heat. Um, they're going to have it firm and fast, and they're going to absolutely crash it and get everything they can out of it, probably get the members off of it for a small break and try to replenish it for the summer. And just look, we all know what happens when a course gets a tour event. They crash it for that week. Yeah, They put everything they can into it, and they crash over that week. And I think that's what we're going to see. It's going to play firm and fast. It's going to be – it's not the longest golf course out there. It's going to be a short, more challenging golf course, which, quite frankly, I love. We've had this conversation on this podcast a million times of how it doesn't have to be 7,900 yards to be a fucking good tournament. This yeah. place is going to, I think, tee up at about 7,100 par 70. And I'm looking forward to seeing some great golf out of it. You know, let's yeah. let's let look everyone. At the, I just pulled up just pulled up golf. the weather report. Uh, 71 and sunny on Thursday, which seems great. Rain and high of 62. Rain and high of 57 on Saturday, and cloudy and high of 59 on Sunday. Yes. 
Yeah. That's wow. why I live in Florida. That's, that's going to be dicey. I, the, you know, I mean, obviously the rain is going to certainly help, but, uh, the, cold and rain is the, not good. The cold rain. I mean, these guys are not going to be happy about that. Um, but it is what is it is. You go to, rain? you go to the Northern Virginia and Potomac, Maryland, DC area. in the first week of May, you, this is what you can get yep. low of 42 degrees. Yikes. Jesus, we didn't have that during our three-day winter. That's awful. <laughs> All right, McLean, um, make your picks. All right, let's get right into it. Um, number one in your playbooks, number one in your hearts, um, 2A, Abraham answer, 10,400. Moving down from there, Mr. Corey Connors, 10,100. Good pick. Good pick. Moving one step below. We're looking at some some guys that are, are trending, playing well. They really strive on tough and short golf courses. Mr. Matt Kuchar, seventy nine hundred, uh, former Wells Fargo winner at Eagle Point when it was played there a couple of years ago. Mr. Brian Harmon, seventy seven hundred. Uh, mo- moving down one step below, guy trending in the right direction. Again, I think someone who's going to fit this golf course very well, Mr. Mm. Anurban Lahiri. Anurban, Anurban, Anur, one of those. Nailed it. Moving beyond there, Greenville, South Carolina's finest, Mr. Bill Haas. Wow. He's 13 for 19 in cuts made. The guy's been sneaking up. He had a really good kind of resurgence with his dad. I think he's he's got some good feelings coming out of that Zurich, you know, an event that we covered so extensively. Um, Extensively. Extensively. That's what I fucking said. Um, regardless, uh, looking, looking, looking for Bill Haas to make a move here. Uh, but no, it's, is a short hitters paradise strategic golf course. I've got a crowd that's meant for that and looking to go ahead and just cash this fucking check in. <laughs> cash it in. Love it. Um, all right. I'll go Mikey. I'm ready. All right. Go ahead. Um, I'll start from the bottom. I really put, uh, not as much Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Now we're here. Um, I mean, I did my a re- little bit of research, but I, you know, I, I always like to make some changes right before, but uh, needless to say, I've got Adam long um, kind of at 7,400 at kind of the bottom here. The last couple of finishes have been pretty good. Two top 15s. Um, Joel Damon, uh, 12 out of 15 cuts at 7,600. Uh, same thing. Finished 12th at the RBC. Um, and, and, you know, Joel doesn't really do anything crazy but you know in this in this format if you can get you know four rounds in you can still accumulate some points um i've got cameron young uh finished a third finished third at the rbc heritage and a couple other uh top 10 finishes this year so uh you never know uh, again nine nine out of 14 cuts but he could make some birdies and then give me some points um Seamus power uh 10 out of 15 cuts again I'm looking at the cuts made and um, just seeing how these guys kind of perform for that price point seem to work out. Max Homa, nine out of 11 cuts. (laughs) Sorry, uh, keep going, Jay. I don't mean to laugh. Go ahead. He's actually played, he's actually played well uh, leading up to the the masters. He finished 48 uh, there, but prior to that, he had four top twenties in a row. And then uh, to kind of cap it off, I've got Mr. Corey Connors, 
the ball striker himself, uh, 10,100. <laughs> this is unreal. Jay, I don't know if you can see this. We have five of the six guys that match. Oh, do we? Oh, no. You switched out Hatton for I have uh, I have Hatton instead of Connors. Oh, gosh. Sounds like I've got a winner. But I legitimately have. You said Adam Long. I'm like, God damn it. Someone picked Adam Long. And then you went down to <laughs> Joel Damon. <laughs> and then you just clicked off Cam Young. And then Seamus Power, Max Homa. And then I was like, don't say Hatton. And <laughs> I was even I was considering. I'm like, all right. So I go Connors, Fitzpatrick. Well, Fitzpatrick, he chips crosshanded. So I can't take him. I'm like, you can no longer take him. He's ranked up no. there. Do you see him on the power rankings too? They haven't even taken that into effect. It's like they're fucking ignorant to the fact. He's out. He's fucking out. He can't chip crosshanded and be picked. Like, oh. I can't pick. But him. I get. I like Hatton in a tough, uh, uh, you know, tough weather, tough conditions. He always plays tough courses as well. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't need to really say anything. You kind of covered my team. Home is solid. Uh, Damon's been playing well this year. Adam Long's had some good recent finishes. I like a Seamus Powers had a great year. Again, I'll take a, a an Irish guy in tough weather. Uh, and yep. Cam Young has been just ball striking his ass off and he hits it a mile uh, this year. So yeah, Jay, you <laughs> that's unreal. So it really comes down to Corey Connors and we, we got one guy. That one guy. <laughs> great. I may change my team now just so there's something else to like. Yeah. I don't know, but no, no, you guys have to ride that out. This is <laughs> this is fucking podcast picks. You guys can start your own competition and do that in normal play. <laughs> this is podcast. You can't change I'm, podcast picks after the fact. We're just fucking as a member of the media. You have to be truthful. All right, I guess integrity, right? So that's the name of the game. Integrity. That's what we're all. That's without what we're all about. Integrity question, here, without question. Yeah, yeah, that sounds accurate. <laughs> All right. I think I think we've had enough. McLean's had enough. And you guys, you guys have anything else left to say? Uh, let's look look for a good week there at uh, TPC Avenel. Or it's not even called that anymore, is it? Yeah, it's TPC Potomac at Avenel Farm is the new yes, name. Let's make it a super long name. Yeah, that looks great, great. on a shirt. So. I will say that I didn't pick him, but I think Rory's going to win. Not after. You think so? Not happening. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't trust him. <laughs> I think, we'll have a backdoor. Back if I just say Rory every week, if I feel like Rory's going to win every week, then eventually he's going to do I, it, and I'm going to be right. <laughs> I don't think I have a winner. I think I have a bunch of cup makers. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. 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 All right, gents. That was fun. All right, fellas. Right, McLean, go have a water, and uh, we'll see everyone next week. Bag of dicks. Cheers. Thank you.